3: Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Welcome to Policy and Rights, the show about government policy and human rights. Welcome back to Policy and Rights here on Depictions Media Radio. We have updates from the United Nations. Um, First update uh, that we have from the United Nations is a briefing at the U.N. Security Council by the representative um, for the Secretary General in Colombia, Carlos Ruiz. And... He is reporting that violence continues in communities, um, leaders, and former combatants, and called for security to be guaranteed throughout the peace agreement. Um, he quote says, "It saddens me to have to inform you about the killing of four more former combatants since the security S- secretary general." reported was published uh, two weeks ago he also told the uh, security council the mission the UN mission has been registered has registered the killing of 330 former combatants since the signing of the peace deal um he gives his report in both um, English and in Spanish, but we do have it translated um, in our particular version. Uh, Moving on, there are other updates and summaries. uh, One for the Ukraine on uh, Ukraine, you will have seen yesterday that the UN uh, Secretary General said that he is appalled by the missile attacks against the city uh... in central ukraine and he condemns any attacks against civilian and civilian infrastructure in sri lanka um, the following resignation of the president um, and resident coordinator um, urged all uh, stakeholders to ensure peaceful transition of power in full respect for the Constitution of Sri Lanka uh, though if you listen closely you will hear more about that that um, there of course there's other updates on uh, um, on on Haiti Afghanistan uh, Egypt and other things are going on around the world uh, that the UN is trying to either curb or fix. Um, one of the more important ones, uh, the questions that was asked, was about uh, the two states um, and between uh, Israel and Palestine, and. Um, the comment, comments um, are coming around to that the idea of having a two-state area, uh, it, the window of opportunity may be closing, and the question is, what is the UN prepared to ma- to do to make it happen so that Palestinians and Israelis have um, independent sovereignty, uh, and it the, the other question is, will that actually fix some of the problems in that area? If you remember, in uh, I guess it was probably maybe six to eight weeks ago that there was a Palestinian uh, journalist who was targeted by an Israeli sniper and killed. So, there's a, a lot of easily put uh, trouble in that particular area there has been for many many years Um, so let's listen to what actually happened at the security council and uh, the press briefing updates I now give the floor to Mr. Carlos Ruiz Mr.
4: President. Mr. President, thank you for the opportunity to present the latest report of the Secretary General on Colombia and to update the Council on important recent developments since the publication of the report. Mr. President, Es un gusto estar en este Consejo de Seguridad en compañía de la vicepresidenta.
5: Marta Lucia Ramírez. And I'd like to take this opportunity once again to thank her for the support and cooperation of the government of Colombia extended to the verification mission and to the United Nations in general. I also here welcome to the session Jinez Casopiamba, a leader of the Nasa people of the Cauca department and a member of the women's network of the Kaldon municipality. Indigenous women, as this council is well aware, have played and continue to play a leading role in building peace from a territorial perspective. And I am particularly delighted to present this quarterly report in the company of Father Francisco de President of the Truth Commission. I'd like to take this opportunity to congratulate him and the other commissioners for their extraordinary work over the last three years and for the recent publication of the final report. I'd like to also echo the main message conveyed to the country when the... This represented it is only with truth that a better future for Colombia will be built.
4: Members of the Council, over the past few months, Colombians took part in a hard-fought political campaign leading to the election of President Gustavo Petro and Vice President Francia Márquez, who will be sworn in on 7 August and of a new Congress that will be installed in 20 July. I reiterate the Secretary General's encouragement over this mostly peaceful election and take the opportunity to highlight once more the significant contribution of the final peace agreement to widening and deepening Colombian democracy. Electoral outcomes increasingly reflect the diversity of the country's vibrant society. More guarantees exist now for exercising political opposition. And 16 representatives of victims from conflict-affected regions will have their voices heard in Congress. This too will be an unprecedented Congress in that it will include the the largest ever share of women lawmakers, close to 30% of all Congress. I recently had the opportunity, along with the UN Women Representatives, to meet with several of the newly elected women lawmakers. They express their clear determination to advance many issues in Congress, including the gender provisions of the peace agreement. We hope the new Congress will make considerable progress in passage of more than 30 peace-related norms still pending approval, including in key matters such as the comprehensive rural reform and guarantees for political participation. Mr. President, distinguished members of the Council, along with the reasons for encouragement, we are also reminded constantly of the serious obstacles that still remain to the consolidation of peace. Chief among them is the persisting violence against communities, against leaders and former combatants in several departments. It saddens me to have to inform you about the killing of four more former combatants since the Secretary General's report was published two weeks ago. Among them was Ronald Rojas, known as Ramiro Duran, a prominent leader of former combatants in Huila Department. Ramiro had stood out for his commitment to peace since the onset of the process after the lay down of arms, He became a leader of the reintegration process and an advocate for the implementation of the agreement more broadly, including as an active member of the commission for the follow-up promotion and verification of the agreement until 2021. Including this most recent death, the mission has registered the killings of 331 former combatants since the signing of the agreement. Their security must be guaranteed A priority for any any peace agreement must be to safeguard the lives of those who lay down their arms in good faith with assurance that they would be protected. Mr. President, illegal armed actors continue to target local leaders in conflict-affected areas marked by poverty, illicit economies, and a limited presence of the state. Indigenous and Afro-Colombian communities are among the most seriously affected by the violence and insecurity. And while the full implementation of ethnic provisions of the final agreement could help address these most urgent concerns, their implementation remains comparatively low. The high-level forum of ethnic peoples created by the agreement has called for a dedicated follow-up on the ethnic matters by international actors. I fully endorse this recommendation. Mr. President, concerning information has recently come to light regarding the alleged misuse of considerable resources from royalties from hydrocarbon exploitation allocated for the implementation of projects within the development programs with a territorial focus, or PEDETS. Transparency in the use of precious funding for peace, demand, for peace demands that all possible acts of corruption should be thoroughly investigated by the authorities, and I trust that this will be the case. Señor President-
5: Mr. President, distinguished members of the Council, in spite of the myriad challenges facing the process, developments in this period also include inspiring progress. In a milestone of the utmost importance for peace in Colombia and for the world, the commission, the Truth Commission, a few weeks ago, published its final report. This report is a broad compendium of many voices and sectors across the society and map of Colombia. The, ref- the report revealed painful findings regarding the causes and effects of the conflict. It included heart-rending figures about the numbers of lives cut short. Indeed, the lives of thousands of Colombian people. These lives were cut short over decades, and the report also included heart-rending finding, findings regarding the dynamics which explain the persistence of violence. The report also presents an invaluable legacy of recommendations so that it's possible to forge ahead with building peace and reconciliation as a national project. These recommendations include an appeal to State bodies to guarantee the full implementation of the final peace agreement. Moreover, the historic first hearings of the Special Jurisdiction for Peace. Focusing on the acknowledgement of truth and responsibility Saw the voices of thousands of victims' representatives speak out The court heard their appeals for justice and reparation In line with its goal to provide redress The the court had its hearings Open a space so that It could hear from former members of the FARC-EP, former members of the government forces, including senior officials and other civilians. They were able to speak out before victims and before the world to contribute to truth through their recognitions, and they strengthened their commitment to non-repetition. This allowed the SGP to move towards imposing its first sanctions. We also have the search the unit for the search of missing persons and it has continued its important work. Only a few days ago it determined the whereabouts of a father who was able to be reunited with his two daughters and two brothers that had been separated for decades were reunited. The mission must also continue to follow up on these efforts and all other efforts undertaken by all parties towards a common goal and that is to ensure that victims enjoy their rights to truth, justice, reparation and non-repetition.
4: As the incoming administration prepares to take office, President-elect Petro has called for national unity and has expressed his intention to deepen the comprehensive implementation of the peace agreement, as well as to seek negotiated solutions, both political and judicial, with the remaining illegal armed actors in what he has called the search for total peace. When I met him two weeks ago, he strongly reaffirmed that peace would be a cornerstone of his government and that he, ha- and he was counting on the support of the United Nations. I also had the opportunity to meet with Vice President-elect Francia Marquez, the first Afro-Colombian woman to hold this position who has also reiterated that peace, with a territorial and ethnic approach, will feature prominently in the government's agenda. Indeed, the incoming administration has a tremendous opportunity and responsibility to accelerate the implementation of the peace agreement. There are good, very good reasons for optimism, and I believe the United Nations and the international community at large should do all they can to lend their support. I thank you, Mr. President.
3: I thank Mr. Ruiz Monsieur
1: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Well, I, I do have uh, some news for you this afternoon. First of all, good afternoon. And the Secretary General today announced the appointment of Christian Saunders of the United Kingdom, as special coordinator on improving the United Nations' response to sexual exploitation and abuse. He will succeed Jane Holute, uh, of the United States, to whom the Secretary General expresses his gratitude for her efforts and dedication in preventing and addressing sexual exploitation and abuse in the United Nations. Mr. Saunders. Hold on one second. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Mr. Saunders brings to the position over thirty years of experience in international affairs, much of it focusing on delivering results and overseeing major reforms leading to improved organizational effectiveness and efficiency. He served as a member of the high-level task force established by the Secretary General to develop a strategy to improve the organization's approach to preventing and responding to sexual exploitation and abuse. He is currently assistant secretary general in the Department of Operational Support. We have a full bio note for him. Also, the Secretary General today announced the appointment of Major General Nirmal Kumar Thapa of Nepal as head of mission and force commander of the United Nations Disengagement Observer Force UNDOF. Major General Thapa succeeds General uh, Lieutenant General Ishwar Hamal of Nepal, who recently completed his assignment and to whom the Secretary-General is grateful for his exemplary leadership over the last two years. Major General Tapa brings over 35 years of experience in various leadership positions in the Nepali Army and the United Nations. At the national level, Major General Tapa served until recently as the Director General of Military Operations. On Ukraine, you will have seen that yesterday the Secretary-General said that he is appalled by the missile attack against the city of Vinitsia in central Ukraine. He condemns any attacks against civilians or civilian infrastructure and reiterates his call for accountability for such violations. And we also have an update on the situation in Venezia, where our humanitarian colleagues on the ground are supporting people impacted by yesterday's attack. The World Health Organization, with support from the NGO Médecins Sans Frontières, has donated trauma kits and other medical supplies to the city's hospital. For their part, the International Organization for Migration and the UN Refugee Agency are helping local authorities provide emergency shelter, critical supplies, and psychological support. The Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, which has an office in Venezia, says that the death toll is rising, with at least 23 people confirmed to have been killed so far, including three children. More than 10 people are still missing. Local authorities tell us that more than 400 rescue workers continue to clear the debris and search for survivors. Following the resignation of President Gotabaya Rajapaksa, Our resident coordinator in Sri Lanka, Hana Singer hamdi urged all stakeholders to ensure a peaceful transition of power and in full respect for the constitution of Sri Lanka. She noted that it is imperative that the transition of power is accompanied by broad and inclusive consultation within and outside parliament. In her statement, she recalled that the Secretary General has highlighted the importance of addressing the root causes of the current instability and the people's grievances. Dialogue with all stakeholders is the best way to address the concerns and fulfill the aspirations of all Sri Lankans, she said. The authorities must ensure that in maintaining law and order, the security forces exercise restraint and operate in strict compliance with human rights principles and standards. The United Nations stands ready to provide support to the government and people of Sri Lanka to address both immediate and long-term needs. In South Sudan, our mission there is deeply concerned about deadly cattle raids over the past few days by armed youth in the area around Capeta North in Eastern Equatoria State, reportedly resulting in scores of people killed, injured, abducted, and the theft of livestock. The mission deployed UN peacekeepers into the area to conduct a four-day long-distance a four day long distance patrol as a way of stemming the, the tide of violence and to build confidence among community members. UNMUS continues to maintain a visible presence, and is engaging with local authorities and affected communities to further assess the situation and to prevent revenge attacks. The mission said it is seriously concerned about reports of some youth planning and mobilizing to counter counter campaigns to retrieve raided cattle, and is appealing to the national, state, and local community leaders to take urgent steps to prevent the violence from spiraling. Turning to Afghanistan, the World Food Program today said that it has supported two out of every five Afghans across the country – with millions receiving cash to purchase food for their families. So far this year, WFP has assisted 19.2 million people through emergency food and nutrition support, distributing 540,000 metric tons of food and $149 million in cash and commodity vouchers, with 17.1 million people assisted in May alone. The World Food Programme said that it is already working against the clock to pre-position 150,000 metric tons of food in rugged and remote areas of the country that can get cut off by snow and ice during the winter months. WFP noted that it needs one hundred and seventy two million dollars to buy and move food to strategic locations across the country to feed two point two million people for five months when hunger where hunger bites the hardest. From Haiti, our humanitarian colleagues tell us that the clashes that clashes between armed gangs broke out on july seventh and continued this morning in Cite Soleil, in the capital of Port au Prince. Today, the population of nearly 300,000 people is trapped in Cite Soleil, as all roads in and out of this part of the city are under the control of the gangs. At least 99 people have died, with 135 people injured, and more than 2,500 people having fled their homes uh, in recent days. Prior to this, the people of Cite Soleil were already among the most vulnerable people in Haiti. Critical rates of malnutrition among children under the age of five Uh, with critical rates of malnutrition among children under the age of five recorded in April 2022. Shops and markets are closed and no food or drinking water has entered the area in recent days. Ambulances, medical workers, and aid workers are struggling to access the area to provide first aid or to evacuate the wounded. The current situation is also disrupting activities at the Port of Varro, the main port for transporting goods and humanitarian aid into the country. In Botswana, our UN team, led by resident coordinator Zia Chaudhry is reporting that the country is set to become the first in Africa to achieve the AIDS targets set out by the General Assembly, the 95, 95, 95 targets, eight years before the target of 2030. According to a recent survey, 93% of estimated people living with HIV are aware of their status, 97.9% of those aware of their status were on antiretroviral therapy, and 98% of those on the therapy achieved viral load suppression to reduce the amount of HIV to an undetectable level. The UN team is scaling up its support to authorities with prevention programs among key populations and adolescent girls and young women. Our team is also working to ensure the sustainability of the response to improve its efficiency and address structural barriers, including the stigma that hinders people from accessing services. In a joint statement this morning... The heads of the Food and Agriculture Organization, the World Food Program, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the World Trade Organization, are calling for urgent action to address the global food security crisis. They reminded us that, according to WFP, the number of food insecure people has reached 345 million men, women, and children in 82 countries. To avoid additional setbacks to achieving the Sustainable Development Goals, they say action is required in four key areas – providing immediate support to the vulnerable, facilitating trade and the international supply of food, boosting production, and investing in climate-resilient agriculture. In their statement, the leaders say specific needs of countries should be identified through a process that mobilizes investments from multilateral development banks to connect short, medium, and long-term opportunities. The full statement is online. The largest sustained decline in childhood vaccinations in approximately 30 years has been recorded in official data published today by the World Health Organization and UNICEF. A report released by the World Health Organization and the UN Children's Fund shows that the percentage of children who received three doses of the vaccine against diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, a marker for immunization coverage within and across countries, fell five percentage points between 2019 and 2021 to 81%. According to WHO and UNICEF, this is the largest sustained decline in childhood vaccinations in approximately 30 years. As a result, 25 million children missed out on one or more doses of these vaccines through routine immunization services in 2021 alone. The report noted that the decline was due to many factors, including an increased number of children living in a conflict and fragile settings, increased misinformation, and COVID-19 related issues. More information online. The high-level segment of ECOSOC and ministerial segment of the high-level political forum will conclude this afternoon at 4 p.m. The closing will include the forum's adoption of its ministerial declaration and closing remarks by the Deputy Secretary General and by the President of the Economic and uh, Social Council. This morning, the high-level segment featured voluntary national reviews from Jamaica, Lesotho, Italy, Luxembourg, Malawi, Liberia, Montenegro, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka, all of whom were second-time presenters. And today is World Youth Skills Day. In his message, the Secretary General said, young people are disproportionately impacted by interlinked global crises. From climate change to conflicts to persistent poverty and the pandemic only worsened these fragilities. He added that we must ensure the right of young people to effective and inclusive education, training and lifelong learning. And that is why he is convening the Transforming Education Summit in September that will bring together world leaders, youth and other education actors. He added that young people are drivers of change and must be fully engaged in decisions affecting their future. And he urged everyone to act for youth skills development as a priority at the summit and beyond. And that is it for me. Are there any questions? Yes, James.
0: Uh, <coughs> Mali again, I'm afraid. Um, Egypt is now suspending I- its participation in Munizma. Um What is the UN's reaction? And we seem to have a bad news from Mali and and the UN mission every single day. What meetings are planned between anyone at the UN or or from the mission and the uh, leadership of
2: the Malian government? Well, first of all, uh, regarding the situation with uh, Egypt, uh, the permanent mission of Egypt has notified the UN that it will temporarily suspend its activities in support Of the peacekeeping mission from starting uh, August 15th, the decision is related to concern about the increase in attacks on Egyptian peacekeepers who escort convoys supplying bases in central and northern Mali. Uh, As you know, seven Egyptian soldiers have been killed since the beginning of the year. The safety and security of peacekeepers is a top priority and essential to ensuring that we can carry out our mandated work to protect civilians and build peace in Mali and all other peacekeeping missions. We respect and deeply appreciate the service and significant sacrifice by Egypt and other countries, contributing uniformed personnel to our missions, which operate in extremely difficult and often dangerous conditions. The UN is working closely with Egypt to address this issue. And in terms
0: of of, of (coughs) the UN's interaction with with, um, the government of Mali, given the, the very fraught relationship at the moment...
2: Well, we're, we're dealing with the government of uh, Mali uh, uh, on a number of issues. Uh, we, for example, on the, on the issue of our, the suspension of rotations, the UN mission, MINUSMA, is continuing all efforts to meet with the Malian authorities and uh, to address this issue without delay. And uh, you, you heard what I had to say yesterday <coughs> about that. So we're engaging on, on, in, uh, in many different ways. Uh, as, I, as I pointed out uh, uh, to you um, uh, the Secretary General has also been involved, including with a phone call earlier this week. So, uh, and and we're we're going to continue to to push our, our various efforts and see what progress we can make. Uh, yes, uh, Beno.
0: Thank you. Who will replace the peacekeepers till mid
2: August? Well, at this stage, at this stage, we're we're still in discussions with the Egyptian authorities, and we'll see. Uh, what can be the result of our discussions with Egyptians. Uh, and, and we're trying to make it clear to them, as, as well to, as to all of our contingents, not just that we appreciate uh, the, the contributions that they've made, but that we're doing our utmost uh, to find ways to ensure the safety and security of the peacekeeping contingents themselves. Uh, but it, there's no getting around the fact that it is a dangerous task uh, it, it's been a, a very fraught situation on the ground, as we've told you repeatedly. But we'll, but we'll see also what the results of the discussions with the Egyptians are before we uh, consider what the next steps would be. Yes, Michelle.
1: Uh, Follow-up to that. Do you, What kind of impact um, does Egypt withdrawing in August have on the overall mission? And do you have offhand the numbers of how many... Um, what the Egyptian deployment currently is?
2: Well, uh, the 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 deploy, the numbers of the deployments are, are on our website of, of the various um, uh, of the various contingents. So so that's available there. I, I don't have it off the top of my head, uh, but uh, but uh, beyond that, uh, it's very clear. Uh, that we have needs and and indeed the people of Mali have needs for 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 protection uh, and and we have been appreciating the contributions by contingents with advanced resources and facilities so so it's it's um crucially important uh, the the contribution that the Egyptians have have made and 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 that's why we're seeing what we can do uh to to uh handle this particular uh situation they they've given us some advance warning so so we'll See what can be done, but but right now we're, we're, we are working closely with Egyptians to address this issue.
1: A question on Ukraine grain. Yesterday, the U.S. issued U.S. Treasury issued a fact sheet, which sort of clarified um, what that sanctions aren't imposed on Russian food and fertilizer, and was clarifying you know that those exports are allowed in an attempt to facilitate them more. Um, what's the SG's reaction to that coming a day after the talks in Istanbul, which appear to have provided a breakthrough?
2: I think uh, for us, the important thing is, is um, to uh, encourage all of the efforts being made around the world to see what can be done uh, to uh, to help alleviate what could be a, a serious uh, worldwide food crisis. Uh, so, so we appreciate uh, an, any steps towards that end, uh, but beyond that uh, we will you know we will see what progress uh, is made uh, on on what the Secretary General spoke to you on Wednesday about, which is to say the the uh, getting to a point where, where there's an agreement uh, on uh, on Ukrainian and Russian uh, food and fertilizer Sure.
1: Um, on Haiti this time uh, does the secretary General think there should be an arms embargo imposed on criminal gangs in Haiti?
2: well certainly the, the, you know if, if this is something that the Haitians uh, themselves are asking for that this is something that the members of the council should uh, should seriously consider uh, and it, it's up to the members of the council to determine what kind of measures they feel are necessary and, and we wouldn't uh, and, and we wouldn't have any uh, advice for them on on the sort of sanctions that the council uh, has the authority to impose. Uh, Benno. Thank you. Uh, another Mali question. There's another
0: uh, story uh, about nine German soldiers who are blocked to leave the country back to Germany. Are you aware of that story, and
2: is there a comment? Uh, we're aware of the reports. Uh, I, I'm not aware that this has... Uh, any involvement with uh, the UN mission, with MINUSMA itself, but uh, s- uh, certainly uh, uh, what what we are trying to do is work with uh, with the authorities to make sure that all of the of all that uh, that all of our basic uh, concerns on the ground are addressed. But I, I wouldn't have any comment on on this particular uh, issue since it's uh, it's not related to the work of the United Nations mission. Yes.
0: Um, Yes, um, President Biden, uh, now in Saudi Arabia, but was in Israel and Palestine. Um, He did, wasn't the main focus of his comments, but he did say that he does still support a two-state solution. But he said the time is not right now for negotiations. Does the Secretary General share that
2: view? Well, we continue to press the point for a two-state solution and regarding the timing of it. Uh, uh, I would refer you to what our special coordinator for the Middle East peace process tour Venice land has been telling the security council in recent months. If you look at his briefings, he talks about, uh, the dangers that if there's not progress made, uh, towards a two state solution, uh, uh, the, the problems that could be created on the ground and, and with the worsening of the overall situation. So, uh, so, uh, uh, Mr. Venisland has been uh, uh, tell- informing the Council of this in his briefings. And as Mr.
0: Venisland is the representative of the Secretary General, he's saying get on with it, which
2: is at odds with what the U.S. President is saying. Well, that's that's your summation, not mine. But, but certainly one of the concerns we have is you cannot be certain that the present status quo uh, can be assumed to hold indefinitely. And, uh, Can I
3: follow up on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. o- often UN officials talk about how the window of opportunity is
0: closing. I mean, for years, you, t- you talk about how the window of opportunity for a two-state solution is closing. And yet you say that is not the view of the Secretary General. He doesn't have an opposing view to Joe Biden's view. I mean, surely if the window is closing and has been doing so for, for, for a very long
2: time, you're running out of time. I mean, one plus one is two, surely. I think you're trying to have me say it in a different way than I'm comfortable with saying. But we have pointed to the idea that if you don't make progress towards this, it's fragile enough that the opportunity could be lost forever. This is a warning we've made many times. Uh, We hope that the leaders of the world understand and are responsive to that warning, and, and we shall see. Um, now, my colleagues informed me that uh, that' we're, that they're not aware of anyone um, uh, in the chat asking for questions, but uh, but given previous days, uh, I think sometimes uh, the chat doesn't show it up. so uh, so I'm giving the people who are online virtually a chance now to unmute and, and join in if you have anything. All right, if, if not, then that's that. Uh, and, and by the way, just uh, just as a clarification, I just want to point out uh, that on Mali, that uh, uh, that uh, with the Egyptians, uh, that this is a, a, the, the they're not talking about withdrawal. They're talking about a temporary suspension uh, of activities starting on the fifteenth of August. So that that's so I I, I want to just uh, point out that our discussions are in that context. Okay. Have a good weekend, everyone.
3: show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information.